Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato sports columnist for the Commercial Appeal. I am joined by Jason Munns, as always, our Tiger basketball beat writer. Uh, Memphis moves on to the NIT quarterfinals uh, with a big win over Dayton. Uh, They'll take on Boise State Thursday for a chance to make it to the NIT semifinals. Uh, It'll happen fast and furious. The the Tigers play Thursday night at 8 o'clock against Boise State. If they win that, they will play the winner of Colorado State, NC State, on Saturday afternoon. And then if they win that, the NIT championship game would be Sunday afternoon. So uh, it could happen rapid fire here. They could play three games in probably about, what is it, a little over, like, what, 50, 66 hours or something like that. Um, yeah. You know, not you know, it's gonna it's gonna happen real, real, real quick. Um, but Jason, what were your uh, I guess takeaways from the boys? Uh, excuse me, from the Dayton game. Uh, what do you make of of the Tigers' chances here this week? Um, in these, you know, in, in terms of trying to to win an I Well, I thought that um, first of all, how you doing? Good. I'm doing all right. Good. Uh, all right. So, um, recovering after big weekend of basketball. Watched a lot a of lot. basketball this weekend. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I love the NCAA tournament. It's my favorite yeah. event of the year and favorite sporting event of the year. And I particularly love uh, the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. That's you know when there's just so many games on and upsets and we you know you know it's it's i mean this is a postseason sport and you know march madness is what it's all about it's why memphis was so devastated when they fell short because this is what this is the event everyone wants to be in um you know you don't strive to be in the nit now i will say this the my biggest takeaway from that dayton game was that memphis seemed to care about being there and i think that's that to me more than anything is important in terms of them. You know, I think they are the, maybe the favorite to win it uh, among the teams that are remaining in the field, because I, I, you know, there's no one who's more talented than them in the field. It was just a question of, would there be kind of an emotional letdown because you've been working so hard to make the NCAA tournament, you fall just short. And now you're in the NIT kind of like with bowl games and football where, you know, you, Half of the half of the battle picking a game is is picking which team's actually going to care about being there, and, and so 
what you what you saw in that Dayton game, I thought, was Memphis cared about being there. They they were they were playing hard, um, particularly in that second half when they when they pulled away. Yeah, I thought it followed the blueprint of a lot of the games um, that Memphis played against opponents that were of similar ilk to Dayton. You know, not a not a great team, um, but also. N- not not a, no, no slouches either um they they it was kind of nip and tuck there in the first half it, it was a little back and forth you know Dayton would sort of uh, get to what five seven points up and then Memphis would sort of pull pull back you know close to even or whatever they're down by one going into halftime and then they come out in the second half and kind of kick their butts um and and they did it by crashing the offensive boards which has gotten a lot better over this over the course of the season. They did it by uh, ratcheting up the defensive pressure. Even though, even though Dayton scored more points in the second half than they did in the first half, um, Memphis Memphis did a, a much better job defensively. Dayton, Dayton shot fifty percent from the field. We we haven't seen many teams shoot. I don't even can't remember. Yeah, I think team, that might be a, a team season. that shot fifty. Yeah, I think that may be a, a high for the season. Um, if it's not, it's close um, for 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 Memphis opponents. But yeah, uh, but but even still, you know, they did enough good things defensively in in a in a stretch of time during a certain stretch of time, like a, a pivotal point in the game that it worked, and they were able to overcome. You know, they won by double digits against a team that shot fifty percent from the field, and so that's. You know, that's that's and, and I mean, that's pretty good. Um, and yeah, uh, no, yeah you're like, right. They locked down when they needed to. Yeah. And I mean, you know, they hold Dayton to 60 points. They hold Jalen Crutcher, who's averaging 18 plus points a game to just six points. Um, and and, you know, I, I mentioned this to you yesterday, but. Um, you know, you're absolutely right about sort of who who cares the most um, especially in the early games, uh, I, I feel like, you know, it's it's almost like a race to to whoever gets to a double digit lead first is probably more often than not going to win the game and win the NIT game. Um, you know, you 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 just it, there there's not a whole lot of wind in these team sails, and then when you you know, so when you take a little bit of it out of there, they're they're more often than not they're left with none or close to none and I think that's what happened with Dayton is just you know they got down by 10 or 12 or whatever it was in the second half and it was just kind of a lost cause for them at that point so um and now uh you know Memphis just well I was gonna I I was gonna say that I mean they held them it was a two-point game with like six minutes to go and then you know that Dayton shot 50 percent but missed seven of its last eight shots and that's you know that Memphis they played defense when they needed to. They played elite defense when they needed to. And, you know, they, they got the job done. But, yeah, and now they move on to a Boise State team where I think, again, if you look at Boise State's roster, uh, Memphis should have a significant advantage on the glass against Boise State. Um, and, you know, Boise's been, you know, Boise beat SMU. So they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're a good Mountain West conference team, but Memphis is going to have more talent and more size. And if they play solid defense, 
and shoot the ball decently well, I expect them to win. Yeah, uh, there, yeah, there should be no reason that they don't come out of this. You know, it, it would take um, Boise, I think, sort of playing over their heads to uh, to, to beat Memphis. Um, well, or Memphis. Mem- you know, the, the, the biggest issue for this Memphis team throughout the whole year is more just self-inflicted stuff. It's not – you. Like, I don't really think we're going to go see Boise come out and take this game from Memphis. I could see a scenario where Memphis comes out and gives it to Boise with, you know, some of the stuff we've seen over the year with, you know, turnovers, free throws, you know, shot selection. Like, you know, like that, that's ultimately the only thing holding back Memphis in this game potentially is itself. Um, but that was what, you know, they, they, they still shot free throws poorly against Dayton, but they did um, a nice job protecting the ball. They didn't turn the ball over very much against Dayton, which was a nice uh, nice change of pace uh, for this group. They've, they've, it seems like they've been better the last – even the Houston games. They were better about protecting the ball than they'd been for a while there. Yeah. Um, been a nice uh, a nice improvement. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the other. Well, I was just gonna say real quick. The other interesting thing about Boise is they're missing two of. Uh, they're missing a starter, um, an all-conference guy, um, who's their second-leading scorer and second-leading rebounder, and uh, they're missing a key bench guy, a, a key guy that comes off the bench for them. Um, both guys are gonna be out for this game, so it's they're not at hundred um, percent. So, you know, you look at it on paper. And you feel you feel pretty good about Memphis's chances. Gotcha. Well, yeah, you know, and like I said, it'll be interesting. There's a potential matchup with NC State or Colorado State looming. I think Mississippi State is probably the most intriguing opponent on the other side of the bracket who you could face in the championship game. Um, and so, and we'll see. I mean, and I'm not. I, I said this to you yesterday, Jason. I'm not one of those people who's in the camp of like this matters. Like I, I really think my opinion on this team nearby. You can- and nothing that happens in the NIT is going to change that. Like if they go out and lay a lay an egg against Boise state, it's not going to change how I feel about this team. And, and honestly, if they go out and win the NIT title, I don't think it's really going to change how I feel about this team. Uh, you know, I think they, they are what they are. They were a team that came up just short of the NCAA tournament that as we watched the first weekend of the NCAA tournament was fully capable of playing in and advancing in the NCAA tournament. They just didn't have the resume of an NCAA tournament team. Um, So that's sort of how I feel. Like, and I don't don't even think it's going to change. I know some people have put stock into, well, if they keep playing well, like maybe this will change the decisions of some guys who could potentially leave this off season. And I, I don't buy that either. I just think, you know, what's going to happen is what's going to happen regardless of what happens in the NIT. But it's always nice to go out and, you know, like you you want to go out and win the games you go and play. And I think it's been to Memphis's benefit that this NIT is all happening. They have to stay in Dallas. You know, I think that probably helps them focus a little better. The fact that they're, you know, it's like one long road trip and there's no distractions of, you know, whether it's being at home and being around family who, who are, you know, you might take your foot off the gas. You're probably easier to take your foot off the gas pedal if you're in more 
comfortable surroundings. Um, and so uh, I think there's, there's a lot of uh, foundation laid, if you will, for them to actually win this NIT. Yeah, I don't remember if it was you I was talking to about this or not, but Dayton or Boise, sorry, Boise um, actually went back home after their Oh, after really? their, yeah, they, after their win the other day against uh, SMU, they 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 went back up to uh, Idaho and will come back down, I guess, at some point uh, this week. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that, there's you know there's two sides of the coin there um, to the to just the whole how this whole off season uh, or this whole postseason. Uh, this whole NIT thing uh, is shaking out. You know, you got teams, it's all in one place and you got teams that some are staying and some are not. And yeah, Memphis, Memphis uh, stayed and we saw some video and stuff of them going to going bowling and hanging out in arcades and things like that. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm with you though. I don't buy that anything that happens over the course of this week and a half, two weeks, uh, since the conference tournament ended will will do anything in terms of I don't know if it'll change anybody's mind about anything like if somebody if somebody's been thinking about leaving for a month if somebody's been thinking about leaving for two months if somebody's been thinking about leaving for a week they're probably still gonna leave even if they go and hoist that or, or if they're thinking about staying right, right. like uh, if, same thing yeah. yeah. I will say one. I will say one thing. If they win the NIT championship, it would be the most significant accomplishment of Penny Hardaway's college coaching career to date. If they won the NIT, see that's interesting. Um, what it, I mean, is it? What else? He keeps pointing to that beating Tennessee game Tennessee on the road, beating a 500 ten. What ultimately was a 500 Tennessee team on the road? Yeah, like I know he views that. As biggest win but like ultimately like it it was a good win in the moment but it wasn't really it like it was a memorable win but like it wasn't much of an accomplishment um in the end um it was it was a good accomplishment i guess but i think winning an nit title would be a bigger accomplishment it's it's actually i mean like and what else is there like the, the the one time he beat houston last year i mean that's really or is it was that two years ago, maybe? No, it was, um, it was last year. Last year. I mean, like, what else? I mean, like, that's one of the things about the three years of Penny Hardway. Like, it hasn't been bad, but there's also not like some great moments that's been that have been created. Um, in terms of victories, there's been great yeah. moments, whether it was Memphis Madness or different, you know, different things that have happened for the program. But in terms of wins, like significant wins, you know, they fought like, you know, you know, beating Houston this year would have made, you know, that would have been more a bigger accomplishment than the NIT. But you didn't do that. Well, yeah, Uh, we wouldn't even be talking about the NIT if they beat. Yeah. Ultimately, um, if you look at Penny's resume as a coach, he's honestly, he's a lot like the Grizzlies, like the, the, the current Grizzlies. Like he's done a really good job at beating teams he's supposed to beat for the most part, except Tulsa. Um, but he, but he hasn't really gotten that big upset or or that big win over a ranked opponent. The Tennessee game looked like that. But I 
And like when it came down to it at the end of the year, that was a 500 Tennessee team that didn't make the NCAA tournament. Um, and so, and then, you know, like what, you know, again, like what, you know, other than the Houston win last year, there isn't really like trademark signature wins that, you know, that, that you uh, think about under Penny Hardaway. There's also, again, not like a lot of egregious losses either. Um, that's kind of where I think that's kind of where the program's at right now is they're still, you know, they've, the program is on better footing than it's been in a while, but they're still trying to get over the hump. Um, I mean, I think that's very clear. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I will say if we take a bigger picture, look, um, you know, I have a column up at commercial appeal.com. I'm actually, I'm pretty worried about this conference in the short term. Um, the AAC, like I think Memphis is going to like Memphis was held down by its conference this year for artificial reasons. Like the, the fact that um, the league wouldn't reschedule, wouldn't, wouldn't maneuver the schedule prop like, like other leagues did so that it's bubble teams. And so that the, the best teams played each other um, at the end of the year in terms of making up games like that, that, that they held them back that way. But I think if you look at the landscape of the league, like the way I phrase it is, I think the AAC has a basketball problem. Like you look at the conference and how it was viewed by the selection committee this year for the NCAA tournament, you know, Houston got a good seed, but other than that, the AAC was treated just like the Missouri Valley, just like mountain West just like the West Coast Conference, just like the Atlantic 10, where they got one other team in, it was Wichita State, and they were one of the last teams in the field. Um, and now you've got a situation where, yes, Houston has advanced to the Sweet 16. And so the league has a Sweet 16 team for the second NCAA tournament in a row, because Houston made it in 2019 as well. But I think it's obscuring the fact that you look at the rest of the league and it's troubling. I mean, you've got Houston is on a roll. Houston's it's the best era of Houston basketball since five slam a jamma. So they're fine. They've been, they've been, they've been carrying more weight than probably they should have in the league recently. And they look like as long as Kelvin Sampson's there, they're going to be a quality program, but you know, Memphis we hope is about to turn the corner under Penny Hardaway going into year four. But ultimately, if you look at the, you know, given the history of Memphis's program has not, since joining the AAC, has not carried its weight. Um, you know, hasn't made the NCAA tournament since 2014. And I'd say Memphis is in, other than Houston, in as good of a spot as anyone in the league. And they haven't made the tournament since 2014, which kind of tells you what the state of the rest of the league is. Um You've got Wichita State did win the regular season title and, you know, had an encouraging year considering um, Greg Mar- the, the kind of tumultuous way Greg Marshall was ushered out uh, right before the start of the season. And they've now signed Isaac Brown up, you know, taking the interim tag off of him. But, you know, frankly, like, are you convinced that Wichita State is going to, like, in the next year or two, be back to the Wichita State that, you know, initially joined the AAC when they were really rolling under Greg Marshall. I have my doubts about that. You know, I have, 
I have doubts that they're going to be able to, you know, like Isaac Brown is one of those coaches. Who I think it was probably the right move given how well they played this year, given the circumstances. But at the same time, like, I don't know if Isaac Brown would have gotten any other head coaching job in the country except the Wichita State one. Um, so you got that, you got some uncertainty at Wichita State long term. Cincinnati looks like an absolute, uh, just uh, absolute mess. Uh, they have six players who just entered the transfer portal, many of them freshmen who John Brannon recruited. It's not like these are Mick Cronin players who are disgruntled and leaving the program. These are guys John Brannon brought into the program. So that looks like a horrible hire. And Cincinnati's gone from one of, you know, one of the most, probably the most consistent AAC program to now it looks like it looks like they're at least a few years off now because they're going to go through another season with Brandon. My guess is he gets fired. They're going to have to start over with a new coach. So that's not good for the league that Cincinnati is going to be down for the next couple of years. It appears um, temples a mess since they forced out Fran Dumphy and hired Aaron McKee um, UCF's been solid. You know, UCF has been respectable under Johnny Dawkins, uh, Tulsa and USF both look like, it looks like Frank eighth and Brian Gregory are one bad year away from getting fired. Uh, Tulane and ECU stink still. Um, and so you look at it, like, I think the issue Memphis ran into this year where you went, man, they really didn't have a lot of quad one opportunities. I I fear, I I fear that's what it's going to be like next year and the year after that, like this, Whereas in football, the AAC kind of separated itself as better than all of the group of five. You know, they haven't been able to get into that power five conversation like they wanted to, but they have very clearly established AAC football as superior to all those other group of fives. It feels like the opposite's happening in the AAC. It felt like when the AAC initially formed and you had Memphis and Louisville and UConn and, and, uh, Cincinnati, like people, people elevated the AAC over all of these other conferences. And now what we've seen over the past several years is, and especially in the last couple of years, it's almost like it's regressed back to the pack in terms of perception. Um, And it's something that I, frankly, I think is, if you're a Memphis fan, you should be worried about because, um, you saw it this year. It leaves you so it leaves very little room for error in non-conference play when your conference doesn't give you a bunch of quad one and quad two games. And the, the way the system's set up now, that's what you it's about quantity of quad one and quad two games. We've seen that very like look at Syracuse this year. Syracuse only had one quad one win. Memphis had none. Memphis went 0 and 4. Syracuse, I believe, went one in 10. Like they had 11 chances to get that quad one win. And if you don't, you know, quad one losses don't hurt you, whereas quad three losses do hurt you. Um, I mean, I just, in the column I wrote, I just pointed to UConn. Look at you, look at UConn's numbers when you peel it back. They do not look like much different. They're a slightly better defensive team than the one that played in the AAC last year and didn't even sniff the tournament, like wasn't even on the bubble at the end of the year. And, you know, if you go by points scored, if you go by record, if you go by 
point, you know, points allow. Like basically they're a little better than last year's team. And yet this year they were safely in the field as a number seven seed. And I think it was solely because they were in the big East instead of the AAC. Like, I think they have a very, if they play in the AAC, they end up with a very similar record as they did playing in the big East, except they just don't make the tournament. And so it's not viewed as a successful season. Um, And that's the problem that, you know, whereas with conference USA, when it was like this, when Memphis was in it, conference USA was much easier to go 15 and one in, you know, like it was just much easier to dominate conference USA. Whereas the AAC is viewed similarly to Missouri Valley and whatever. But I would say as someone who watches the league, you know, week in and week out, like it's a much harder league to go 15 and one in or whatever it'd be 17 and one because they play 18 games usually like it, you know, even though Tulsa and USF and UCF aren't very good, like they're tough games to win on the road. There's not a lot of uh, bottom feeders in the AAC, like Tulane and ECU are sort of like that at times, but I don't know. I just feel like it's an, it's an unfortunate situation that Memphis is in. I, I just feel like, you know, they're not getting, you know, they're in a league where it's hard to win on a night out night in and night out basis, or at least harder to win than it was in the, in conference USA, but they're not getting credit for that. It's being viewed as if it's, you know, an inferior conference and maybe it is, but it's something to be aware of moving forward because I'm not sure it's going to get better next year. Um, like it looks like Houston should be pretty good again next year, but probably not quite as good as they are now um, because they lose some guys, but you expect Calvin Sampson to have them, you know, have them be pretty good again. And may, you know, if Memphis is able to keep most of its roster intact, they should be pretty good. SMU like, could be pretty good. Who else? SMU. Yeah, SMU. I forgot about SMU. SMU is another team like they've been okay, but they were they were really good when Larry Brown was coaching them and when Yank Jankovic had Larry Brown's players. Um, And they, you know, you can tell they they have regressed since Larry Brown's sort of imprint has faded on the program. Yeah, I mean, Memphis needs to hope SMU can can uh, build on what success it had this year. They need to also need to hope that uh, I assume the schedule will go back to a more traditional, you know, you won't have as many conference games next year. You know, uh, this yeah. year they had 20, most years they have 18. Well, and so we, and we fewer conference already. games should help. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. You know, already that you've got, uh, you know, already that you've got Tennessee um, mm-hmm. on the schedule for next year. You've got, you've Alabama. got Alabama on the schedule. Yep, Alabama on the road uh, next year. Um, those are two off the top of my head. In, they're playing in an event in New York, right? Yeah, right. the same uh, the same thing they played in last season. Um, the whatever it's called, the, is it the preseason NIT or whatever it's called? Yeah. Um, some sort of some sort of NIT. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're playing in some event where they get a couple neutral site. They, they get a couple home games against bad teams here in Memphis. And then they'll play a good team in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Um, so we don't know the opponent yet, though, right? Right, that is correct. Um, and those are the only ones that, that I can think of non-conference wise off the top of my head um, for next season. Mm-hmm. But um, 
but you 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 might you know you might think that there will be some others uh at least a couple others that will give them uh good um you know good opportunities uh good opportunities for for yeah. uh, quality wins quality games um so you know that's that's kind of what you have to look forward to is is more more non-conference games and a better non-conference schedule than this season gave you well, this season here you look back on this non-conference schedule I, I thought the non-conference schedule was actually when you look back on it this year was was pretty good even with the limited sample size you got you got a game against St. Mary's who was a you know that was a they were a solid opponent you got Western Kentucky who was arguably Conference USA's best team you got VCU who was an NCAA tournament team and then Auburn was you know like you had the type of non-conference games you needed in order to uh in order to, to buff up your resume in this weird year. I mean, most teams didn't even like a lot of teams didn't even have not conference games. So um, yeah, no, next year though, you're right. It'll be more normal. And, you know, hopefully there's, you know, I hope, cause I believe the Alabama game is on the road and the, and the Tennessee game is in Nashville. And obviously the game in the game, the preseason NIT game is in Brooklyn. So your hope is, is that they can add a, um, a home game. Now it'll be interesting to see like, does the, you know, what about that Ole Miss game that was supposed to happen this year in Oxford? Um, Does that get put back on the books? I don't know. Um, Again, if I'm Memphis, I'm probably preferring, I want like a marquee home game. And, you know, same with the St. Louis series um, that was supposed to start last year or this year does that get put back on the book? Cause that's a pretty good Atlantic 10 program that you had a home and home with. So um, there's, there's intriguing scheduling options moving forward. And uh, hopefully, you know, I, I would vote for, if I, I was Penny, what the series I would make my main priority, I, I would love to get that Arkansas series back going. Uh, you know, they, they played, yeah, they played some, you know, some memorable, memorable games particularly when Penny was on, was playing for Memphis state. Um, and I just think it would generate a whole bunch of excitement regionally um, because you know, obviously Arkansas is still alive in the NCAA tournament there. And, you know, uh, Musselman's got them rolling. I know the hang up in the past has been Memphis wants it to be a home and home. And I agree, it should be a home and home. Whereas Arkansas has argued for, they want it to be a neutral site game in Little Rock, which isn't really a neutral site game. Um, so uh, that's that's been the hang up in the past. But uh, we'll see if 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 Penny and, and Musselman can come to some sort of agreement. And then, you know, the big the bigger question than scheduling is what's the team going to look like next year? But I feel like we can that, that feels like a, a question we can dive into uh, after the NIT is over um, because, you know, we've already seen the transfer portal is very active. I expect Memphis to be active in the transfer portal, both in terms of some guys leaving, but also I think they're going to take advantage of it and bring some, some new, new faces in via transfer who can really provide a boost just like, you know, Landers Nolly and Deandre Williams did this year. So um, that's something to contemplate 
uh, as you're watching these NIT games this week. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, I'm, as we were sitting there talking about scheduling, I wonder if uh, – I wonder if – because Penny said earlier this year that they tried to, during one of their pauses, get um, Louisville. They had some conversations with Louisville. They had some conversations with Georgia Tech. That'd be a good uh, one to get back on. Yeah, like I, I wonder if those conversations. Back on. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I just wonder if those conversations um, might spark something in the in the coming seasons. Um, could be could be something to keep an eye on. Yeah. No. The key is getting these guys to agree to home and homes. Like they don't want to. A lot, of, a lot of times these teams like Louisville and whatever, they're like, they want to play neutral site because for them, it does, you know, they own them or whatever. Like they don't need the, the home game. But Memphis, I think for the fans, for its contract at FedEx Forum, like they need some big marquee home non-conference games. There haven't been enough of those in recent years. And um, that's going to be the key. And I wonder if, you know, we've seen scheduling philosophy changed this year during the pandemic. Like people were more willing to do stuff on the fly and did stuff that they wouldn't have done previously before the pandemic. And I wonder if that's, you know, we all, we talk about whether it's in sports or in life, what are things that will, that we've changed during this pandemic that when we come out of it, will still, you know, that will remain in place and maybe, you know, maybe scheduling is one of those things that will change for the better um, because of the pandemic. Like everyone will be willing to be a little more flexible um, and more willing to do things uh, that maybe they wouldn't have done before the pandemic. I'm I'm not sure. I don't know the answer to it, but um, it's something uh, hopefully Memphis can take advantage of moving forward. All right. Um, We'll have plenty of coverage the rest of the week. Uh, however, however long Memphis is in the NIT, whether they lose to Boise State Thursday or whether they go win an NIT title for the first time, I believe since 2002 was when John Calipari did it here. Um, so uh, we'll have tons of coverage, though, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday uh, of the NIT. Um, and make sure you're checking it out. Munz is doing a great job uh, writing about all the nitty gritty that you need to know. Um, so till, uh, next week I was Mark, I was joined by Jason. Thank you so much and, uh, enjoy the rest of your week. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of, uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.